whole idea was that U.S. military bought location data from a Muslim dating app that then uh, was used to locate and identify targets. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't even consider that. Again, I sometimes forget this fact. Data is so powerful. It's literally information about the human being that you are, your profile, essentially. Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Surfshark Wave podcast. I'm your host, Gvidas. And uh, before I get into the show, let me say that these episodes are available here on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Now, our guest today is Darus Belaevas, who is the Chief Business Development Officer here at Surfshark. So tell us, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing quite good. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> Nice. It's nice to have you. And uh, I was curious about your title, Chief Business Development Officer. As I understand, uh, you and your team work on making new products in the cybersecurity space. So uh, tell us more about your everyday job. Sure. So uh, commonly, like CBDO role is uh, more associated with sales and partnerships. Uh, for us here at Surfshark, we take the developing business part uh, quite literally. Uh, so yeah, we are essentially like an R&D for new business ventures uh, within cybersecurity and privacy. And uh, talking about uh, our like day-to-day so right now and for the last year or so, uh, our main focus is Incogni. It's uh, been essentially building it from scratch. And yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. We'll talk about Incogni in just a bit. Uh, but let me introduce uh, today's actually topic, which is something that you're familiar with, is data collection and data brokers and the problem of online data collection in general. Uh, so I think, again, you're more than anyone is familiar with that topic. So tell us more about the issue of data collection. Uh, it's, it's a great question. And uh, I think it's important uh, well, to know that uh, when we started out uh, on this sort of like journey uh, about a year and a half ago now, uh, I think uh, myself and uh, the team, we really didn't know like how deep the iceberg goes and like uh, the problems associated. We just uh, knew that we are sort of on a road to solving a, a problem for our users. And uh, talking about uh, like specifically the data collection, uh, there are good parts about it, but uh, there are also like countless issues. And uh, in terms of uh, privacy and what's important for our users, uh, one of the main concerns is that uh, in most cases, uh, ourselves, like as users, as uh, like internet uh, netizens, uh, actually don't know what's going on. And like uh, there are hundreds of thousands uh, of companies that have our personal information, our behavioral information, and like these are the companies that we've never heard about. I think that's not all right. Oh yeah, and um, again, we use the apps and internet every day, and there's. Uh... I wouldn't even think that there's like collection going on. Now, I have a personal story that I'm going mm -hmm. to tell you. And, uh, you know, just like anyone, I've been installing apps on my phone, uh, on my desktop computer. I, I've been playing video games for a while. And it's actually a funny story that um, my first experience with data collection was actually in a single player game. And again, focus on single player. It's not an online experience. And I remember the game was asking me to agree on uh, their privacy policy, which included data collection. And I was baffled. I was like, why do you need my data? It's a, it's a single player game. Um, and uh, 
again, I think when most people think of data collection, they probably, uh, some of them probably think of uh, crash information where mm-hmm. the app asks you, like, are you okay with sending your device info, which is non-identifiable to our developers, which can, again, Im- later on improve the product and things like that. But in our everyday lives, there's still a ton of things going on where you go on a website, there's you get a pop-up saying like, hey, cookies and stuff and then and, and, uh, additional collection. So there's constantly things just taking our information, which could be extremely identifiable. And maybe we can talk about a bit more about that. Um, so what's your opinion on data collection in general? Because in my eyes, in my view, there's, you know, there can be a positive thing where, again, the product improves, we're doing better. And there's also this privacy aspect, which is super concerning. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get to that. But one question before that, uh, in that single player game, did you read the privacy policy? What's uh, why the data has been used? So <laughs> this is this is something that I do every time. So um, hey, I'm just gonna come out and say it. I don't read the privacy because the, the thing about those privacy notices and those uh, you know policies that you get uh, upon signing up, and every company does this. Like when you're installing Windows, you get this huge one. You know, mm-hmm. this huge list of things that you have to you know read about. And let's be honest. Like most people don't read that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say, I don't do that either. Because it would take me, what, like an hour to read it? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, going back to the video game uh, aspect, there's, there are games that actually bring up like this huge list. And if it's a new game that's coming out, I'm like, I just want to play the game. Like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> when you're installing the app or anything that's you, that you want right now, you're not going to want to read an hour-long book, essentially, yeah. to, to use the product. I just want to use it right now. So that's my take on it. Uh, and uh, I agree. Uh, I don't <laughs> read most privacy policy. Uh, actually, I, I have been reading more privacy policies lately because uh, it's something we need to do kind of uh, for the work, for the job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, of course, there's a legal aspect where companies need to cover, but there's no rule why uh, those privacy policy needs to be like so convoluted, so extended, why they don't have a sort of like TLDR version. Uh, I think most people would say that it's more for legal reasons because in my eyes, when I read legal things, it's usually like written in very constructive, very like well put together words that Mm. for me, to me, like a regular person, they don't mean anything. It's just like, Mm. what is this? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, but at the same time, it's not that you couldn't have like a five or ten uh, like bullet points with like most important information. But I think one of the reasons why uh, like it's uh, not happening is because I think uh, many people would actually be freaked out if they see a sort of like uh, just a, a short version of what data ha- is, is being collected about them. Yeah. And at, at that point, you would go like, okay, maybe I actually don't need that app. <laughs> Oh yeah, so you're saying that privacy policies could literally be a TLDR version, like? Uh, I I think uh, like again uh, we would need to check with our legal department. So, <laughs> but uh, like yes, they, they need they do need all the aspects that they have, and there are actually like important areas. But if you would uh, just take the whole uh, document 
and just highlight the most important parts for the user. Mm-hmm. It's techni- it could be possible, uh, but uh, I think the nuance, uh, missing the nuance and so on, I-, I think actually a lot of people actually would be freaked out. <laughs> and I think that's a good point to bring up that uh, I think we here at Surfshark, we make our privacy policy like super digestible. Uh, it's something that we did, uh, I think, a while back. And um, I think more companies should do that. Um, and going back to you know data collection and mm-hmm. stuff uh, I remember in 2015 when uh, Windows 10 came out a lot of people were freaked out because Windows and Microsoft wanted to know so much about you there was literally spying in the Windows uh, mm-hmm. OS and it's still happening today with Windows 11 we actually may are making a video about that uh, right now where we're going to talk about you know the privacy aspect of Windows 11 the Microsoft latest OS and there's still a lot of stuff going on where they want to know your media activity, like what movies you watch, like that kind of thing. And again, that for me creeps me out, you know. And maybe you could share your experience uh, where you experienced data collection where you thought, okay, this is a bit too much, which maybe even inspired you to create the product that you're working <laughs> on today. Uh not from the top of my head, like in, in like very specific cases. Uh, that said, uh, since started working on Incogni, so a couple of things that I actually started doing. So I developed a habit uh, on mobile phone and browsing. I actually click uh, advanced options and object all, and uh, <laughs> actually going for those flows to to object. And in certain cases. Uh, yeah, I will actually go in and read uh, the sort of like uh, most important po- points mm-hmm. for me in the privacy policies. But um, I can't recall from the top of my head something that like would freak me out specifically. Data brokers. Let's first introduce data brokers. What is a data broker and sure. what exactly are they doing? Uh, right. So data brokers are companies. Uh, companies that uh, well, has, uh, generally collect a lot of information. And uh, I think the aspect uh, that's most important here is that the information collected often happens without u- users knowing consent, meaning that uh, as a user, I, for example, don't know that uh, these companies have my information. So they have it. Somehow they know my name. Uh, sometimes they have some behavioral information. Uh, they might have my email address, but I've never heard about. So that's one aspect. And another thing uh, that's important uh, here is that this information is then uh, being used and uh, can be traded. So first, there's a set of companies that I've never heard about have my personal information, and then. We don't know what they're actually doing and to whom they are selling, to what entities, uh, and not to get like full paranoia. But uh, it, it it's a scary thought. Uh, so in a way, it's a whole like, again, process for them, but it's like a whole network where, uh, and my question is like, again, we you spoke a little bit about what type of information they collect. And mm-hmm. this can include like your full name, your email address, your home address, gender, phone number, education, uh, your IP information, social security number employment history there's so much stuff out there on uh i, I presume servers just uh servers just laying around and mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that i'm uh, kind of afraid of is uh, i don't know if you know the saying of whatever is on the internet stays on the internet i don't know if you know about that so like if you upload something on the web it will be on the web forever so <laughs> and for me that's a scary thought in terms of uh data collection because 
if I sign up for Facebook or whatever social media site and mm-hmm. enter my, you know, my birth, uh, birth date, name, whatever, address maybe even, that information is going to stay on those servers. Now, I'm going to just, you know, predict, sort of uh, mm-hmm. speculate that these data brokers, they get their info by web scraping. Is that correct? Uh, it's one way, especially when it comes uh, like... LinkedIn is quite popular to be scraped. Uh, and maybe we could talk a little bit about what web scraping is essentially. Maybe you could tell us. Right. So when it comes to web scraping, uh, I think one misconception and uh, important to understand is that in general, it's not illegal. And again, it probably needs some, some sort of asterisks in terms of like jurisdictions. And there's also like nuance to not illegal when it's like available publicly. And then it depends like what sort of information, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So in terms of uh, like legality is uh, difficult to give like a very clear answer. Uh, but uh, the, the whole mechanics is uh, where you have automated tools uh, that essentially uh, imitate the user and uh, usually they will be uh, configured to collect a certain information uh, from like your name or like employment address, etc. And just uh, mm-hmm. this is completely, all this process is done completely without your consent. Uh yeah, like <laughs> they're not gonna send you an email saying, "Hey, I'd like to have your address." And I, oh, by the way, I'm gonna take your address. I'm gonna take all your information. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're getting an email address, it's going to be like a salesy or a scam email later on when that information is then being used. Uh, well, in but potentially not your best interest. Well, we'll get into that in just a bit, maybe. Um, and I guess you do agree that there should be some kind of uh, consent. Uh, you know, a, a letter, an email sent to you, if this is being done, is there at the moment legislation to stop the web scraping? One, one thing to note, uh, I'm not a web scraping expert, so please take everything with a sort of like grain of, uh, <laughs> of salt. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, th- I think a month ago or so on, there also be, were quite a big of controversy in terms of like uh, an attempt to like make uh, web scraping illegal and you would think, oh, that's probably a good thing. But then you see who's driving the agenda. And uh, apparently it's uh, the people who are currently owning the data and just don't want to <laughs> share, share with it. Uh, I have a question about uh, the money part. Because obviously there's money to be made. Now, could you tell me, is there is this a big industry, data, data selling? Uh, last time... I checked in terms of like the data, and I think it was from 2018 or something. Uh, it's uh, 200 billion. Oh wow! Yeah, it's 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 a big industry. <laughs> that is, yeah. If I mean, again, if there's money to be made, people are obviously going to, you know, grab onto it. And uh, obviously, web scraping is one of the ways that they get in information. And you mentioned there's another way. Uh, what's the other very common way of uh, data brokers trying to get that info? Uh, so uh, every time you visit the page, you will get the sort of uh, consent form when you, well, most people ac- accept all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says like, accept. There's a new website. I'm just going to click accept, accept, accept. I just want to get to my content. Nobody. Uh, we actually talk about, uh, this may be a bit off topic, but we talk about uh, on our channel here on YouTube uh, about the topic of privacy versus convenience, mm-hmm. where you sacrifice a lot of your privacy for convenience. 
and people do this all the time. You know, I think if uh, we all wanted to be super private, we would be using, you know, a VPN and uh, we'd probably be using also, you know, operating systems like Linux. Uh, we wouldn't be just, uh, you know, giving away our information as easily, but people do it because it's convenient. So maybe you could now get into the aspect of why is this dangerous? Uh, oh, uh, there's multiple aspects to the dark side. Uh, there's multiple shades of gray here. <laughs> and uh, I, I think let's start with the, one of the risks is that uh, when you have companies that have uh, well, a lot of data about a lot of people, the result is that they kind of put a sort of like target on their back in terms of uh, very malicious uh, agents uh, trying to acquire it. And uh, we actually did a research uh, last year and uh, we went through a list of 500 data brokers and cross-referenced with what data breaches ha have happened in the last, I think, eight years or something like that. And uh, what we found out, so out of 500, uh, 30 have already been breached. So it might not seem uh, like a sort of like super concerning number, but a few things to add here. So some of those companies have been breached actually multiple times already. And uh, the biggest sort of factor is that like the average uh, data breach size is uh, over 100 million data points. That's so a lot. That's a ton of data. You're already like putting thousands and thousands, uh, maybe billions of people in danger when uh, you have this information. And then, let's say, uh, among those data points, there's your name, there's, there's uh, your address, there's your email address, there's, in some cases, uh, and it's quite extreme, there's your social security number. That's the kind of information that, uh, in the hands of malicious agents, can then be used in identity theft and uh, other kinds of fraud. Uh, I think uh, another important uh, part, and uh, this usually goes to the sort of argument that, well, I don't mind that marketers know what uh, I'm browsing. I was going to bring that up <laughs> because, uh, you know, similar to how, you know, we preach about using a VPN and things like that, there's always going to be people who say, oh, I've got nothing to hide. Like, it's everything, I don't care, just leave me alone. Um, and I, I think there's going to be part of people who say, uh, listen, if there is, a, you know, a data broker and they might think they might look at a data broker as sort of a bridge between, uh, you know, a company that sells stuff and to you, to your information so that they can later on, that company can sell you things that are relevant to you. And that kind of brings up that convenience aspect that you're paying your privacy, you're paying with your privacy to have maybe an offer for better car insurance or a better deal for maybe groceries, whatever. So what's your take on that? Uh, I would say that it really is a, a matter of personal preference. Uh, so uh, we do have different comfort levels in terms of like advertising and what information is avail available and that's perfectly fine. Uh, personally, for example, I really don't mind some retargeting ads because I visited some e-commerce store and now I'm seeing like uh, pictures of shoes everywhere I go. So, and, and like for me, uh, like my own background is in uh, digital marketing. So uh, for me, it's a sort of like, oh, I, I don't mind it. Uh, but there are segments uh, of the population uh, where this kind of behavior information can really be, I would even say, weaponized. Uh, let's say... Imagine that we have 
a company uh, that acquires uh, like big data sets of uh, behavioral information. They might not even know like your name, but uh, they have enough information to be able to target you with uh, various kinds of advertising. And uh, looking at those data sets, uh, they identify that you're showing patterns uh, for addictive uh, behavior. So what happens when uh, this kind of segment is then being targeted with, uh, say, ads for gambling or predatory loans or essentially when your human weakness can be used against you? That, yeah, I, I definitely can see that. And uh, even there's, uh, I think, a term uh, in the video game world where for mobile games, there's a term called whale. Yeah. Where uh, a person will spend uh, like every cent on microtransactions for a game. And I feel like if you have that addictive personality, like you just said, and you get ads for like a new game, once again, it could just mm-hmm. drain your wallet, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely an aspect uh, to consider. A few more examples uh, in terms of like this area. So let's say you acquire uh, information that contains uh, behavior data and uh, in some cases, maybe health information. And uh, you start uh, getting ads for fake uh, diets and uh, gym routines and stuff stuff like that uh, where actually you're being targeted because uh, like within the data it shows that you have like body dysmorphia Uh, and again it's something that's being used against you and uh, well monetized Um, another aspect that uh, we found uh, multiple cases uh, of fraud is when it comes to the elderly because, uh, okay, so uh, maybe our generation, we have uh, a bit uh, higher uh, BS filter for digital <laughs> activity. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, I know when, uh, like, even I speak with my, my grandma or even my, my father, my mother, uh, you know that they can take a lot of the information quite literally. And again, uh, having, like, age date is quite common uh, among the data sets. Mm. So you can target uh, specific advertising uh, when you can uh, take advantage of that information. Now, we spoke about advertising, Mm -hmm. but I see a potentially huge issue where this data, especially if you got your email, your first name, last name, I see a big window for scamming. I mean, think about it. If I have your uh, first name, last name, and your email, uh, a potential phishing attack could happen where I could tell you, oh, hey, I know that you work at this company. Click on this website, and hey, now I have your company's password. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, you know, that's a huge issue. Uh, does that happen? Is data being used for scamming? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you can find uh, some uh, case every few months uh, talking about your thought about like phishing and when you have like personal information. So uh, in the United States, there is a popular segment of like data brokers that uh, refer to people search sites. And uh, in some cases, they also have like your relative information. So now imagine that uh, information weaponized when you get uh, a letter or you, you get a call and, hey, I'm calling from your aunt uh, That's and now she's sick. And uh, like there's a lot of information you can collect uh, that can be used against people. And again, it's just baffling to me that this info, a potential scammer can... Uh you know, contact data broker, hey, I need this information, and you can just get it. <laughs> uh, 
it varies company for company. So I, again, uh, I think it's important also when we're speaking about data brokers that like not every company is the same. So there are organizations that are actually taking quite good care and we work with uh, companies that actually go beyond what the law requires in terms of like uh, data removal and stuff like that. So yeah, it's important not to put them in the sort of like same bucket, but it's uh, a spectrum. And uh, on one end, we have companies that, well, it's a legal business model and uh, they're leveraging it. And uh, as long as they're, they're, that information is not being used against people, I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, we do have uh, cases where essentially everything's being done to discourage users from exercising the rights. Okay. And before we move on to another question, I was also wondering, do you know of any cases where the government is trying to get hold of this data in order to control the, you know the the people uh, so it's uh, there was a case uh, a few years ago and uh, I might be a bit vague on some details but uh, the whole idea was that US military bought location data from a Muslim dating app that then uh, was used to locate and identify targets uh, or something along those lines so it's definitely happening. Uh, I think there are quite a few more cases like that. And may, I don't know if we have show notes, but uh, maybe we, <laughs> we could have a, add a few links there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I didn't even consider that. Again, I sometimes forget this fact. Data is so powerful. It's literally information about the human being that you are, your profile, essentially. And uh, just the thought of the military using it for, you know, to find potential targets that's uh that's a crazy story and uh if we find it we'll actually put it in the in the description below in the show notes so you can find it we actually have a like a separate document where you just co collect uh, all those uh, not so fun uh, use cases okay all right uh, maybe you can link me that afterwards <laughs> yeah. uh, after the show um and uh, now let's get into the solution and that's where mm -hmm. you come in obviously <laughs> the solution is incogni and uh, so tell us what you guys do at Incogni and how do you combat this huge issue of data collection? Uh, right. So in a sort of uh, very simple terms, uh, what Incogni does is that we automate the data removal process for the user from data brokers. Uh, what uh, this means to sort of like practical terms is that user signups, uh, they pr provide us with uh, the information and that's uh, essentially whose data we, we need to be removing. Uh, they sign the, the sort of like authorization form uh, to make sure that we are allowed to do that. And uh, yeah, right now, I think we have 127, maybe 130 or so data brokers that uh, we uh, address. And uh, yeah, uh, we deal with the process of data removal uh, on their behalf. That's great. So you guys are essentially fighting the fight against these uh, data brokers. Now... I want to know, aren't you afraid? Because like you spoke about, it's a, it's a huge industry, $200 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, these are big companies. They are. <laughs> We're talking big companies. Are we talking like, uh, again, not like the size of Microsoft or whatever, but mm -hmm. uh, these are huge companies. And uh, are is there a fear factor for you guys? Uh, not really. Uh, like in a sense that uh, all we're doing is uh, enabling 
users to exercise the rights uh, given by GDPR in Europe, CCPA in California, uh, PIPEDA in, uh, in Canada, and uh, emerging laws that uh, hopefully, well, some of them are confirmed uh, within the United States as well. So I believe like the law and the truth is on our side. So at the same time, uh, yeah, we do get all sorts of emails uh, oh, really? to, to deal with. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, we're in the right here. So essentially, you guys, uh, you might be the underdog, but you're carrying the the power, the sword of law, basically. And uh, um, now you mentioned emails. Uh, did you get emails? Could you maybe there was like, obviously, I, I can imagine that these emails are like, uh, if uh you know, a, a hate mail essentially, which is translated in nice words like "Could you shut down your operations?" Is this something like that you guys get? What kind of emails do you get exactly? Uh, we, we get some of those, and uh, sometimes <laughs> it's all caps. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> but uh, but uh, most most often, yeah, it's uh, more about uh, legal threats uh, and stuff like that. And uh, I, I assume that's why you know this has been this has been happening for. For a while now, data mm-hmm. collection, um, and uh, Incogni is the first product that I mm-hmm. seen that does this, and uh, that's why I admire what you guys do. And and this, uh, you know, what I'm sensing from you, this energy of, uh, you know, doing the right thing, it's it's quite remarkable, and I appreciate that mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, maybe I can just uh, make a small correction here. So we're not the first in general. Uh, oh. Like we do have our own way of doing things, uh, but uh, there are companies that uh, have been doing this. Uh, I think since uh, GDPR came out, I don't know the whole history here, but uh, yeah, uh, I think no one at this point like reached the scale uh, and uh, really uh, leverage to create a, like a. Proper solution, and to be fair, uh, there's a long roadmap for Incogni as well. There's uh, to to really get a firm grip on this problem, uh, and uh, I think what we're also seeing is that uh, companies like ours, uh, there will be more. Um, now, I have a sort of a question about uh, the difficulty. Maybe before that, I can t- I will say that I've used Incogni myself, and you guys make it stupid simple it's so easy you just it's like you guys give like a nice progress bar everything's super simple and you guys uh, you know start sending out and and doing the uh, you know dealing with the data brokers that's really cool uh my question is how difficult was it in the research and development part to launch a new product like Incogni? What kind of difficulties did you guys face? Mm, I think specifically for Incogni, uh, the biggest sort of difficulty is that it's not just a technical problem, it's not a legal problem, it's not a business development problem, it's all of the above. Like, uh, uh, you you really need to combine. And, uh, like, in terms of difficulty, removing yourself from one company, uh, like using GDPR or, let's say, CCPA, it's generally not that complicated, even on the sort of like dark spectrum of like dark, dark patterns uh, that really go overboard. And we've seen some ridiculous cases here. Uh, you can do it in a sort of like reasonable time. What happens is when you try to do it at scale, and even if you take like a few dozen of those companies and you start making the requests, uh, then they c- come back to you. 
uh, well, we spoke about the legal uh, sort of strength and uh, like if, if emails were getting. The reality is that well, the users uh, have been getting these kind of emails uh, themselves, and uh, what we're seeing is that uh, oftentimes they are intimidating uh, in a oh. sense that so the user will get the. A, an email from the data broker after you guys started uh, your process? Uh, it, it's uh, very rare now, but uh, sometimes uh, they might uh, be able. Uh, in some cases, they will claim that they need to confirm that uh, the user that, really. Oh, okay. But I was more speaking about doing it manually. So oh. let's say I like go uh, go and uh, to my Gmail and uh, find out uh, some data broker, go to their privacy policy, uh, find their link to whatever form they need to fill it's in. Hours. Or, yeah, uh, like email address that we need to send so you do that then you get another confirmation address like email uh, then uh, we start seeing the various uh, aspects uh, in uh, like trying to discourage you and again uh, Im- important to say not everyone is doing we've seen some very great flows we've seen companies that actually improve their flows based on our feedback so uh not everyone's in this corner, but uh, there's uh, this sort of side where you get uh, like two-page uh, legal document uh, where it says like, okay, so now send me your ID, utility bills, birth certificate. So the point is that if you wanted to do it manually yourself, like actually remove data yourself, it would take a long time. For one company, quite easy. When you start doing it uh, at a larger scale, it becomes a sort of full-time job. Wow, that's... Do you think that there should be a change in the law itself to sort of not have to do this? Uh, Absolutely. And again, uh, the privacy laws, they are still quite young. There are a lot of areas uh, where still uh, there's no precedent set. So in terms of like, okay, so what, uh, like both laws have like proportionality elements to them so that uh, your request for identity verification needs to be proportionate to the request. What is proportionate? And now we're starting to get these sort of like clarifications. And a lot of this uh, right now is even happening as we're pushing and we're also making those inquiries to the data protection agencies and to see, okay, so where we really stand. And as those sort of like issues are becoming glaringly obvious, uh, there are amendments, there are propositions being made uh, to improve those laws. So I I think we're on the right track. Uh, At the same time, I think it's still a long way to go because there's a lot of money involved. I might be a bit skeptical about whether we have the political will to actually execute it to create uh, like privacy laws that are actually like user first, and uh... I want to go back to one previous question that I asked, uh, just uh, the issues of launching a new product, and I, you know, I thought about it, and you guys are, you also have to deal with the, uh, you know, obviously you need a website, you need uh, uh, the legal team, you need all this and that, and uh, before all of that, on the marketing side, you still need to educate people. There's that education barrier where you need to sort of sometimes convince people, right? That mm-hmm. this is a problem. And at the moment, Incogni is its own thing. Mm-hmm. But since it is brought by Surfshark, do you see 
a potential merger with Surfshark happening, Incogni plus Surfshark together? Because mm-hmm. at the moment, you can purchase Incogni from the Surfshark website. Mm-hmm. Uh some sort of uh, bundling might be on the table, but in terms of like uh, our systems and uh, everything's uh, like involved with that, uh, I don't think that's happening uh, simply because the privacy problems that we are solving, they are quite different. So uh, for example, uh, for Incognito to work, uh, we do need some personal information. So just mm-hmm. so we know that like we're, whose data we need to be removing. True, yeah. uh, at the same time, it might not necessarily be something you want uh, with your like uh, Surfshark like provider. That's true. Yeah. So there are there are some aspects to it. So uh, I think architecturally the back and the the databases uh, will need to be separate. Okay, and maybe for current customers of Incogni, you could share uh, what you guys are working on right now. Not necessarily features, but maybe you guys are making the website easier to use and things like that. Uh, absolutely. So when we started out for the first uh, year, our goal was to build okay, a working service because there's no products that are really like uh, markets uh, defining in this area. There are a lot of aspects where you don't necessarily know how to best translate this information, how to best present it, what's going on. And now uh, with our users, we actually have this information. So a lot of the focus uh, in the upcoming months. So one, uh, we're constantly on the lookout to find and add new data brokers to remove from different systems to expand like the scope of what we're, we're able to, what personal information we're able to remove from those uh, entities. Uh, but uh, another uh, aspect is a lot about quality of life, uh, UX and UI changes uh, in terms of like creating remarkable experience uh, for the user that uh, it's really clear what's going on, uh, the progress being made and uh, everything's involved with that. So uh, like the next uh, six months, maybe more, will be really focused on that. Like, And at the moment, Incogni is available via web app, website. Um, are, you, are you guys working on uh, an application for devices? Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think, uh, you know, Maybe for mobile devices, it would be nice to mm-hmm. have an app where you can just open it up, you know, see what's the progress with various data brokers. Are you guys working on that? Uh, not right now. Uh, I think uh, whether we will need to de- develop an app specifically will depend a lot on the, our user feedback, what we're seeing from the users. But uh, at the same time, um, if it would help uh, enable us uh, to... They remove more data from s- certain segments and because there's a lot of data collected via apps and stuff like that. Uh, so that could be another reason if we were move along with this, but uh, it's not in the sort of short-term roadmap. I think one thing we need to understand is that even here at Surfshark we do this. Uh, we do collect non-identifiable crash uh, information uh, which will help us to improve the apps that we create here. And I think it's sort of important to realize that not every data collection is harmful. Absolutely. And there's a term uh, here that's uh, data minimization. A lot of the apps and tools uh, that we enjoy and get a lot of value from, uh, they do depend on uh, certain information. It can be location information, it can be some usage information, etc. And uh, just enabling them we do need to collect uh, like some information. And uh, I think another 
aspect uh, is that it helps keep product teams grounded. So you're not just building whatever you dreamed up uh, last night uh, or in the shower, but uh, you're actually uh, like focusing on creating the best tools for for your users, uh, and it can impact UX UI. It can impact what features you're building. Uh, it can impact what features you are sunsetting because you're seeing that, okay, so we build it, uh, but nobody actually wants it. So uh, I think uh, when it comes to like creating great products, uh, there is aspect to it and not all data collection just in general uh, is a bad thing. Yeah, and, and I think data collection is one thing, but also feedback is another. Whatever you're working on, an art piece, uh, you know, an application, a game, whatever, mm-hmm. Feedback is super, super important because with feedback, you can develop things that actually people want. Um, let's talk a bit about Incogni and uh, maybe some questions that people might uh, have in their minds. Uh, first of all, how safe uh, is Incogni just in general? Because uh, we spoke a bit about those letters mm-hmm. uh, that you guys receive. It, will there ever be a, an event where once uh, an Incogni user starts uh, data removal, mm-hmm. they will start receiving various letters from these companies potentially, maybe asking them like, hey, don't do this or something like that or some you know threatening letter or whatever, or maybe uh, um, you know a, a lawyer type of question maybe. Would that ever be the case? Mm-hmm. What sometimes uh, happens is that uh, these companies uh, will send a, an email and say, can you please confirm that you're using, or they will say that, hey, you need uh, extra information and so on. So what we do uh, is uh, we ask our users uh, to actually reply uh, like for, for, for this uh, request so we can actually deal with it internally and avoid the situations in, in the future. Uh, because uh, there's actually no good reason for them to be contacting the users directly. At the same time, uh, they do have their information. So like it's not something we can stop. So in most cases, you won't actually have to put in a lot like a lot of input it will be done automatically uh, at most uh, you, sh- you should be just uh, well forward this uh, the request and uh, you will take it from there all right awesome and and would there ever be a situation where a legal battle will form a literal legal battle where a user an incognito user might have to go to court did that ever happen and would could could this happen uh that's uh, never happened uh I don't see a situation where a user might be. Uh, at the same time, there might be situations where we might need to uh, fight uh, on the user's behalf. But uh, again, I think uh, it's up for the legal teams uh, to, to cover the nuance here. <laughs> Another question I had was, um, you guys have a progress timeline. And uh, I was curious, how can we know that the information was actually deleted? Uh, The reality is that uh, from the systemic uh, point of view, we don't. uh, What we can do. So uh, if as a a user, you want to make sure that, okay, so this company uh, complied that they said, okay, so we removed your data. Uh, As a user, what you can do is make a data access request to the company. Now, this is something that uh, the user would need to do manually because uh, for data access, there is like there's actually a layer of uh, identity verification that 
needs to happen and I think it's a reasonable request uh, so that uh, I cannot uh, go to some company and make a data request on your name and they will send me your behavior like data and whatever the else they have so there's uh, an aspect and from our side uh, we don't ha- we don't want to have this information we don't want uh, like uh, your ID or whatever um I I can kind of see a potential window for maybe eventually this could happen where maybe you guys uh, could have like an audit team because the only way to figure out if this information is actually deleted is to audit these mm-hmm. drives, whatever the information is. And um, again, this would take a long time. This this whole process would take a long time to just figure out, is this actually gone? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's impo- important to understand that uh, in terms of like data removal costs versus the risks uh, based on like GDPR, CCPA, uh, if the caught company is then caught lying, uh, the fines uh, would be essentially business closing for many companies. So I think uh, no reasonable company would take that risk. My last question for you. For this show is what is your motivator to make incogni and just what drives you every day when you come into work uh it's a big big problem to solve like uh it's a big problem to solve and uh, at surfshirt here we're in a sort of quite unique position where uh, we have the resources we have the know-how to start tackling it and uh, i think one of the reasons why uh, this problem hasn't been solved yet is that uh, for small startups, it really might be daunting to tackle this such kind of problem. And uh, as you mentioned before, there's a sort of like marketing aspect to it where you need to communicate so uh, to the users and not everyone might understand. So there, there's that aspect. At the same time, we're not that big where we, well, might might have other pressures, uh, so I think we are in a sort of like good good position uh, to actually tackle this problem, take it take it head on, and uh, well, do our best to solve it. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I also appreciate your drive and uh, again what you guys are doing and just uh, you know making people aware of this issue because people need to know. I, I really do think that people need to know. So, um, incogni.com. Sign up and start your fight against data brokers. And uh, we'll actually put uh, a link in the description below where we made made a whole video about Incogni and uh, how you can use it and the whole process. So definitely go check it out. So incogni.com and ask for us. Thank you, Dario, for coming on. Uh, And I hope you can come in for a future episode (laughs) maybe uh, because this topic is fascinating to me and I want to know more about it. uh, And um, I'm so glad you came on. And uh, as for us, Go check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And that will be it for today. I'll see you next time.